Thank you, guys. Appreciate you welcoming me here. And uh, <laughs> y'all like that, didn't you? All right. Here's what's happening. Is God good or what? All the time. Man, oh man, oh man, oh man. All right, golly, it's already 10.55. I got to preach fast this morning, and y'all got to listen fast. Um, here's what we're going to do first. You know, we've been talking a lot about the kingdom the last, last I don't know, 30 years or so. <laughs> and uh, um, we're going to continue in that vein this morning. Uh, last week, Barton shared with us about the kingdom of God. I'm going to be talking about the now and the not yet. But I heard a testimony uh, Wednesday night in the home group that I'm part of, and uh, I told her I was going to put her on the spot, and uh, but uh, she said not to, and being nice, I'm still going to put her on the spot, and uh, <laughs> but I told her I would stand by her, and that I would actually share, and y'all could just see who it happened to. Is that okay? You guys good with that? But I'm certain she's going to probably be just like my wife, that as soon as I start sharing, she's going to take over and do the sharing. <laughs> Brenda, Sheffy, come on down, please. Y'all give Brenda a big hand. Um, Brenda is, uh, what do I do with the microphone? There we go. Brenda's, she's, she, I'll hold it for you. This is Brenda Sheffy, y'all. Is she awesome? Somehow or another, Paul Sheffy, how many years ago, Paul? So, somehow or another, he conned her into marrying him. And uh, so he's a great salesman and everything, but. Uh, Brenda and Paul actually host the home group that we're going to, and she shared a testimony last week that I, was just—it was incredible. And uh, um, you want to share it? You want me to? I'll try. I All right, you, you can I, do it. I told you that when I get in front of people, my mind goes blank. Okay, so if I I'll, forget, I'll help you out. I'll help you out. <laughs> and I also told you that I took a year and a half of college, and when I found out I had to do speech, I quit. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all be and praying. That's true. I hold hold that up. You want me to hold it for you? you um, it. There you go. You got it. Right here. Okay. Yeah, that's good. Well, to start off with, um, it started with me being nauseated for like five days in a row, like a week and a half ago. Every day I'd wake up and I'd be nauseated, and I'm like, what is, you know, tomorrow, is it going to happen tomorrow? And it did, it kept happening. So last Sunday I said, in ministry time, I said, well, I'm going to go up and have somebody pray for me because this is just ridiculous. I don't, and even Saturday night, the night before, my son-in-law came over, and I was supposed to watch his two children where they could go out for their birthday. And he said, do you feel good? And I said, no, I'm just nauseated. And he says, well, we don't have to go. We can you know, do it another time. And I said, no, I do everything else nauseated. I can do this. <laughs> so um, Sunday came, and it came time for ministry. And I went up, and Lori was praying for me. And right in the middle of her prayer, I heard this word. And I mean... It was like so clear, I even like almost turned around and was somebody there. But the word I heard was mothballs. <laughs> and she kept praying, and I, um, I practically didn't hear anything else she said after I heard mothballs. And when she got finished praying, she said, well, did God speak anything to you? And I said, yeah. And I said, but it's going to sound very silly. And she goes, oh, no, anything God says is not silly. And I'm like, I know. But <laughs> she said, well, what are you saying? I said, he said mothballs. And she said, does that mean anything to you? And I said, yeah. <laughs> and the background story to that is, is I have a next-door neighbor that she likes to feed feral cats. She feeds them, and then they come to my backyard to live. And I don't like cats. 
don't have any cats, but at any given time, there's four or five in my backyard from her feeding them. And one day I walked over to her house, and she had a tomato plant there in between my yard and her yard. And I looked down, and I said, Miss Folsom, there's what are those white balls? And she says, oh, those are mothballs. I said, why do you have mothballs there? She goes, well, if you don't want cats to get into your um, you know, area, garden or whatever, you just put mothballs down and they won't come near it. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> so I went home and I told Paul, I said, we got to get a lot of mothballs and, <laughs> and, and put them on the back porch because this is where these cats, every morning, they're all over my furniture, everything. So a month and a half ago, two months ago, I just saturated that back porch with mothballs. <laughs> and I, the weather's been so nice that I've been going out there eating my lunch out there and just hanging out. And you go out there and it smells like mothballs, but you get over it in about five minutes. <laughs> so when she said mothballs, I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> so I went home and I got rid of all those mothballs and the the good news is I have not had any nausea Amen. since I got rid of those Amen. mothballs. And I was Amen. telling my daughter that afternoon about what happened about praying about in the mothballs. And she's looking up on her phone and she goes, Mom, do you know what mothballs are? And I said, no, not really. And she says, they're a high concentration of pesticides. And she said, oh, she's reading and she says, overexposure to mothballs causes dizziness, headaches, and nausea. So I'm like, I'm nausea-free, and I'm mothball-free, too. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Y'all give Brenda a big hand. For somebody that's uh, scared to talk, she did a good job, didn't she? Amen. You know what I guess, guys, when God speaks to you like that? That's a word of knowledge. It's a word of knowledge, and God just speaks it clearly and told her what the problem was. She wasn't coming to hear the problem. She was coming to get healed, but in the process of that, God told her what the problem was and, and solved it and fixed it. Um, that's the kingdom coming. Okay? That's the kingdom coming. And I gave her another remedy for the cats, but she wouldn't let me do it. So, <laughs> I'll, I'll let your imagination go with what my remedy was, but <laughs> it would have solved the problem. But So... So, some folks may not have liked the, the, the way of doing that. <laughs> All right, vineyard distinctives are what we've been looking at uh, for the last several weeks. Again, this isn't to say, hey, we're special and everybody else has got it wrong. This is just to say this is who we are as a church, as the vineyard church locally and corporately as a vineyard church. Right now there's around 2,500 vineyard churches around the world. And so th- these are kind of the things that just kind of keep us together. We're in agreement in these areas. We looked at the main and the plain, which was what? Let's see if you remember. The main and the plain was the the Bible. Basically, we believe the Word. And, and not only the Bible, but keep it simple. Keep Go with the plain. Go with the main. We got, hey, listen to me. We got enough in here that we know we're, that, that, that's simple that we need to live up to to keep us busy till Jesus comes back. Right? I mean, we, listen, we can just take love your neighbor as yourself and that'll keep us busy for the next hundred years. <laughs> so, main and a plain. Keep it, keep it simple. Come Holy Spirit was one of our distinctives. Again, where we invite the Holy Spirit to come and have His way in our lives. Everybody gets to play, which is 
uh, bottom line is we're all in the kingdom. If we're in the kingdom, God wants to use you. He wants to use you to minister to folks. You're, you're a priest. You're, the scripture says you're a priest. And, and God, God speaks to you just as well like he did with Brenda. He spoke to her. Okay, that's God speaking. And he speaks to you if you're a believer. He doesn't just speak to the, to the, you know, to the whatever you call us full-time folks. Okay? Does that make sense? That's, that's the everybody gets to play. We looked at your kingdom uh, last week. Uh, Barton did a great job in talking about the kingdom and what it is. So this morning, uh, you guys got the video ready? This is yes. All right. Hey, we're on target here. I'm giving a warning so we can move into it seamlessly. And we're going to have the video play. Phil Stroud, our national director, is going to share with us about the, the now and the not it's yet. The, the already and the not yet. The teaching that George Eldon Ladd has so influenced uh, the understanding of John Wimber, John Wimber passing that on, the works of Derek Morphew, and many, now many, many other authors. Uh, it has helped us understand the tension uh, that we often feel. Like, for example, when, when we pray for sick people that we're commissioned to do, and they're not healed. I, mean, I don't know about you, but some people or many people that I pray for don't get healed. Some of them do. How do I explain that? Do I blame the people, the people that don't get healed? Do I blame it on them? I mean, we may see a, a demonic influence or something, and, and there's no, there, nothing happens with that. How do we explain that? How do, why is it that sometimes something happens, sometimes it doesn't happen? Well, very simple terms. The kingdom has come. In the coming of Christ, the kingdom came. And at the second coming of Christ, the kingdom will be consummated. We live in the tension of his coming, and he is still coming. He came, and he's coming again. The already, he's here, not yet, it's not here. The kingdom has come, but not yet fully. You know what I call that? I have a couple words for it. And we don't often talk about it in the vineyard, but I call that frustration. I call that tension. And I also say that has to be all right. I, I believe that the already and the not yet, it's not just a fancy little saying that we've picked up along the way theologically. It is the absolute understanding of, of what we read in the Word of God and then what we see in reality of life. I believe theologically it is the only way you're really going to understand, yes, We've been redeemed and we are being redeemed. We will be redeemed. Yes, we are healed. We're being healed. We will be healed. Uh, we, we do see the kingdom break in, but it's not fully here yet. It's just one of those tensions. So in, and instead of looking something that's easy, learn to live with this. But in all honesty, uh, I don't mind if people actually use the word frustration once in a while because I think there's a little bit of intellectual honesty in that. So it, it's a video distinctive. It's a theological Peace. Now, let me say this about that. If somebody was going to ask me, Phil, what's, of all the things I could study in the vineyard, what's the thing I should really, really get? I would tell you this. Take the time, take the months, take the years to do as broad and clear reading on the teaching of the kingdom of God that you can. Because theologically, once you have that down, uh. once, you, once you can plummet and apply it into everyday missional life, the already and the not yet, you're going to find that things make a lot more sense. So when people ask me, Phil, what's the, what's the one thing I really, I really should give myself to? I say, you're going to have to understand the already and the not yet. It's here, but not yet. That's why it's a distinctive. We, vineyard people are willing to wrestle with this. Amen. All right. Um, 
Have you have you ever? I love the word "feel" throughout there. Frustration. You ever felt that? You ever lie? <laughs> there's a, there's a frustration that comes with this thing. I mean, and I, I, I it just happens. You know, and I, I think of something that I think that's part of even growing in the kingdom is learning how to deal with that and learning how to walk uh, with that. He Phil made the statement that if, there, if we were going to study anything, um, study about the kingdom. And I, 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 one thousand percent agree with that statement. In fact, is I, I believe that understanding the kingdom of God and the now and the not yet, understanding how that works in today's frame in today's time. I believe that's an interpretive key to the rest of Scripture. I don't think you can understand the rest of Scripture without understanding the kingdom of God. In fact, it says this, Jesus, it says Jesus came and preached the what? The gospel of the kingdom. Everybody say the gospel of the kingdom. Gospel of the kingdom. That's what Jesus preached. That's, he, in fact, the Scripture says He not only preached it, but He demonstrated it. He, he both taught it and did it. He did both. Okay? And so that's a, to me, it's like, if, if, if it was important for Jesus to come preaching that, we probably ought to understand what it is and preach it ourselves. And not just talk it, but do it. Live it out. Demonstrate it. What does it look like? What's this, what's this thing called the kingdom look like? I gave you a, a thing to, to read. It's got, it's, it's not even all the scriptures, okay? Um, it's a, uh, I don't even know how many there are here. This is just New Testament. There's, there's Old Testament teaching about the kingdom. But there's, I don't know, there's, there's a bunch of them there. I encourage you to take this home, read it. Do a, do a concordance search in, in online of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. Same basic thing. Look and study those and see, and see what they are. But understanding this theology and practice is just, is just a major, major part of who we are. Simply put, the kingdom of God is this. In simplest terms is the rule and reign of God in every area of our lives, in our spirit, in our soul, in our body. Let's hear it again. Simply put, the kingdom of God is the rule and reign of God in every area of our lives. In other words, if the kingdom comes in our lives, when, if the kingdom of God shows up in our lives, it's going to impact us physically. You with me? If God's kingdom, if the rule and reign of God shows up in my body, something's going to happen. It's going to have an impact in me physically. It's going to have an impact in me emotionally. It's going to have an impact in me spiritually. It's going to impact how I think. It's going to impact how I talk. It's going to impact the things I watch. It's going to impact, it's going to impact my life if the kingdom of God shows up. And, and me, and I, and I walk, walk that out. There's several scriptures, and again, I'm going real fast this morning because I've got a lot to cover and not a whole lot of time to do it. So in Matthew 12, 28, many of these I've written down up there uh, on the board for you. Some of my hat and you'll have to look at. Here's what it says. Jesus says this. If I drive out demons by the power of the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. If I drive out demons, this, this is what the kingdom of God looks like, is what he's saying. If I tell these demons to leave, that's God's kingdom showing up. That's the, 
That's the power and the rule and the reign of God showing up in this person's life. When you look, when you look at the scripture, remember the guy. Um, he, he, when he he was basically he was so demonized. He was he was you know cutting himself and throwing himself off of cliffs. He was doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And and Jesus walks in and he comes up to him and he had and, and Jesus starts talking to him and, and and this demon starts taking over and says his name is Legion. Which meant what? Many. Many. Basically, some people think thousands. <laughs> I mean, you think you got problems. <laughs> thousands of demons living in this guy. And Jesus shows up. And, and when Jesus shows up, here's the, here's the key, guys. When Jesus shows up, demons manifest. They can't stand being around him. And so he shows up, they manifest, he tells them to go. You know what that is? That's called confrontation. That's called warfare. The kingdom of God is the rule and reign. Remember last week and over the, over the weeks we talked about the kingdom of God is, a, is, is it's like a, when Jesus comes in declaring the kingdoms here, what he's saying is this, this is, the war is on. Let it begin. The battle's here. <laughs> The, the, the victory is getting ready to happen. That's what Jesus is saying when he talks about the kingdom coming. That's what happened in this guy's life. That's victory in this guy's life. The enemy had him consumed. I mean, he wasn't just demonized. He didn't just have some influence. He, when you got thousands of demons in you, you're in trouble. <laughs> I only want one. I only want a half of one, if that's even possible. You with me? That's, that's warfare. Jesus says this. He sent his disciples. So not only, here's the cool part, and I can't take time to go through all this this morning, but Jesus calls his 12 together. In Luke 9, it says this. He called them together, and he gave them power and authority to do what? Drive out demons and cure diseases or heal diseases. And he sent them, look what it says, and he sent them to what? Proclaim the kingdom of God and to... Are y'all with me? What's he saying? Go and teach it, preach it, and do it. (laughs) Don't just talk about it. Proclaim it and do it. Demonstrate it. Show it. This is what it looks like. Here's what the kingdom coming looks like. People get healed. Demons get cast out. People's lives are impacted. They're changed. And he gave the 12, and I could take a dozen other scriptures where he gives it to the 12, then he gives it to the 70, then he gives it to the 120, and the book of Acts, somewhere around chapter 5, it says not only they're going to get it, but what? We are going to get it. I mean, how do we, how do we take, the, I mean, everybody in, in, in evangelicalism, everybody in, 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 that falls under that blanket of evangelicals, everybody believes that Matthew 28, uh, 19 and 20, the Great Commission, everybody, who is he speaking to in that passage? The, the disciples. That's who he was talking to in that context. Everybody in evangelical Christianity that falls under that category takes that passage and applies it to who? To us, to the church. Why is that passage for everybody and this one isn't? When he's talking to those, he was talking to the same guys, wasn't he? Did y'all catch that? 
God, we could spend hours there. The kingdom of God, it's a, it's a war. It's against the works of the enemy. When the kingdom shows up, think of what the works of the enemy are. What are his works? Sickness, death, disease. Who? Kill, steal, and destroy is what he came to do. How about poverty? Poverty? When the kingdom comes up, it, it deals with those issues. Here, here's a great definition. I, I should have printed some of this stuff off for you guys so you'd have it. If you'll remind me, I'll print some of this so you can take it home with you later, sometime next year. Here's a great definition. The kingdom of God. Go to the next slide, please. Keep going. Right there. The kingdom of God is the dynamic rule and reign of God. It is the, listen to it, it is the will of God in action. Every expression of God's love, every expression of His compassion and mercy, every expression of His justice and righteousness, and every expression of His healing power is an expression of God's reign, of His activity in our world, and as such is an expression of His kingdom. I know that's a lot to get. And I can say, I'll, I'll, get, I'll write that down for you and get it out. That's, that's, when you want to know what the kingdom of God is, there it is. That's the, that's the clearest, best definition I've ever seen. It's His rule. It's His reign in our lives. It's a, it's a demonstration of His love. It's a demonstration of His power. Now, we're going to, let's, let's go on. How, what's, what's that got to do with the now and the not yet? Turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. This, this, is, this is one of the ones you're going to have to look up. I didn't put it up there for you. I'm going to force you to go to your Bibles or your phone or your iPad or wherever you happen to have it. Acts 1, 1, 6. The now and the not yet of the kingdom. This is this is the time Jesus has already been crucified. He's resurrected. He's still he's still here on planet Earth. He's been seen by Peter and other disciples and many other folks had seen him resurrected body. And in verse six, he's he's come and he's he's talking to the disciples and he's telling them about you know this is what's getting ready to happen and 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 he's getting ready to leave them. Okay, he's getting ready to ascend into heaven. And and look at this verse, verse six. And when they met together, they who's the they? The disciples. They asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to it to Israel? What are they asking? God, are you going to do it now? You see, in the Old Testament, we're going to look at it in just a second, the Jewish people, when Jesus came to planet Earth in the Incarnation, the Jewish people, Israel, they were expecting, because they had many Old Testament prophecies, that if you read it not understanding what we already understand, okay, if you read those Old Testament prophecies, it looks like Jesus, when He comes, when the Messiah comes, He's going to set up a kingdom, and that kingdom is going to be a earthly kingdom that's what their expectation was this is look, listen this is after these guys have already hung out with Jesus for how long three years and he taught them and taught them and demonstrated and spoke to them and they're still asking the question now Jesus is it now you're going to do it their hope and their expectation was God was going to come and set up an earthly throne and it would go back to like the days of David that's what their hope was they're still asking that question. That was their expectation. The kingdom's going to come now in power and authority. 
In fact, just look over. Let's look, look at Isaiah. Old Testament. Isaiah chapter 9. You've got to get this, guys. This is really important in understanding. It'll help, it'll help with some of that frustration we talked about earlier. Isaiah 9, verse 6. Familiar passage of Scripture. You guys have heard it if you've been around. Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born. Who's he talking about? This is, this is seven to 800 years before Jesus came and was born on planet Earth. You with me? Seven, eight hundred years. Unto us a child is born. This is a prophetic word about Jesus coming, the Messiah. A son is given. The government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. He will, look what it says, he will reign on David's throne over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. This is a prophetic word spoken seven to eight hundred years before Jesus came as the Messiah and took on flesh. Their expectation, if you had that prophecy along with hundreds of other ones that are very similar, if that was, if you didn't, put yourself there, okay, you didn't have the New Testament yet. You didn't have Jesus yet. You didn't have this understanding yet. Their expectation was what they were reading. Their expectation was the Messiah is going to come and he's going to rule and reign right here. That's what they thought. That was their expectation. You with me? Okay. Look at fact. Look at this. Um, look at this slide. Throw the next slide up if you would. Even in fact, remember even John the Baptist. Remember Jesus' cousin. Y'all remember him? John the Baptist. He even, remember, remember at one point in his life, he goes back and he sends one of his disciples to go ask Jesus, are, are, are you the one? He, he was even wondering. In fact, he was, probably, he was in prison at that time. And he's wondering, Jesus, are you him? Are you going to do it? Are you going to do what? Are you going to rule and reign right here? You're setting up your kingdom. That's his question. Here's the Jewish perspective of this kingdom. They were, they were walking in the present time. The Messiah was going to come, and he was going to set up what? The kingdom, the age to come. They had that expectation. If you all you had was the Old Testament, guess what? You'd have that same expectation. However, we have a clearer revelation of the coming of Jesus. Why? Because he's already come. <laughs> And we have the New Covenant. We have the New Testament to help explain to us what has actually happened. What has actually happened is this. The coming of Jesus that was prophesied in the Old Testament happened, but it's, a, it's like two parts of the same coming. Follow with me. Ready? The second coming of Jesus, or the, or the coming of Jesus prophesied in the Old Testament literally happens in two, in two parts. The first coming, which has already happened, and according to the New Testament, the second coming that's coming. You with me? So there's this, there's this time frame, and there's this age between the two of them. Throw that next slide. There we go. We're on top of it. We're in the present time. Again, this is a couple thousand years ago. Jesus came. You with me? That ushered in the age to come, just like the Jewish people were expecting. Jesus said what? The kingdom of God is here. And he also said the kingdom of God is coming. 
Thus fills word frustration. <laughs> Tension. We live, where do we live in there? In between those two, which is called in the scripture what? The end times. You and I live in the end times. If you read the New Testament, literally from, from the beginning of the New Testament, the scripture over and over and over said, the end is coming soon. Jesus is coming back soon. Their expectation was almost immediately. They just thought it's coming soon, you know, next year or so it's going to happen. Well, it's been 2,000 years. And so we still live in that time of when Jesus first came to when he's coming back to basically consummate what he established in the first. Are you with me? I don't, I don't want to get too complicated here, but this is key to understanding. In other words, the first coming ushered in the last days. It started the last days. And ever since we have been living in the end times or the last days, the second coming will just bring the last days to a final consummation. Thank you, Bob, for sharing that. <laughs> While a full revelation of the kingdom of God, as described in Isaiah, uh, um, will come, it's only at the second coming of Jesus that, it, that every, or in other words, it's at the second coming that the total fulfillment of what he established in the first coming will happen. In the meantime, we live in this time of tension. We live in this time of the kingdom's here, but it's coming. We live in this time of, 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 its, of its happening now, but it's not yet. Where it shows up, but not totally. That's where we're filled with saying, you pray for somebody and they get powerfully healed. Kingdom showed up. You pray for somebody and they don't get healed. It didn't happen, but not yet. I'm telling you, when you grasp this, it'll make so much sense to you. Read, um, I'm going to read this to you. In Hebrews, this is in a translation called The Voice. Hebrews 2, 8 through 9. I'm going to just read it to you. Again, we're running short on time. Though he was born, talking about Jesus, below the heavenly message, messengers, he honored the Son of Man like royalty. You honor him. Crowning him with glory and honor. Raising him above all earthly things. Placing everything under his feet. When God, look what it says. When God placed everything under the Son of Man, he didn't leave what out? Anything. There's, there's nothing that's not under the feet of Jesus. In other words, he has what? Authority over it. Nothing's not under his feet. But, look what it says. Maybe we don't see all that happening yet. You with me? You're not with me. See just above nine? You're there? <laughs> okay. Maybe, maybe, in other words... It's not all happening right now. It's happening, but not totally. People still get sick. People still people still die physically. When the total end comes after the second coming, people aren't going to die anymore. But right now, they're still dying. But what we do see in Jesus, born a little lower than the heavenly messengers, who is now crowned with glory and honor because his will, he willingly suffered and died. He did that so that through God's grace, he might taste death on behalf of everyone. <laughs> Amen. Look at it in the ESV, the English Standard, Standard, English Standard Version. Now in putting everything in subjection to him. When did that happen? You with me? Everything's in subjection to him at his first coming. Okay? He left nothing. Nothing! <laughs> What's nothing mean? Nothing. Think of any sickness you can think of. That fits in there. Nothing's left out. He left nothing 
outside of his control. At present, look what it says, at present we do not yet see everything in subjection to him. That sounds almost like double talk, doesn't it? It is, but it's not. That's what he's saying. That's what Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews is saying. So on the one hand, you know, we, we, we await the this, this total breakthrough of God into our lives, and at the same time, it has already happened. The, the presence, in other words, I, I love this term mysterious. Do you understand that there's some things in Scripture that are just mysterious? You know what that means? That means we don't understand. <laughs> you with me? It's just mysterious. We don't understand that. And that's, that's part of what's happening this. It happened, it didn't happen. That don't make sense. It's, it's, it's mysterious. The, the future is, is mysterious to us to some degree. In other words, it breaks through, the kingdom breaks through from the future into the present. The kingdom has come, it has not come. The present evil age and the future age, this is the present evil age and the future age coexist together at the same time in the age we're in. You there? Next slide, please. Keep going. Keep going. The presence of God is here, but not fully here. The future is already present, but not fully. Osler Coleman, I, you, I love this explanation, explains it like this. It's the difference between in World War II, D-Day and V-Day. And D-Day, Nor- remember the history? It was the Battle of what? Normandy. Basically, historians say, this is what historians will teach us, basically at that battle... The war was won. Basically. Bottom line, it was won. But you know what happened? There was a time between when they won and when it was over. And you know what? A lot of death and dying happened between those two times. The battle had been won, but there was still fighting going on. That's a great explanation of what happens today in the kingdom of God. We're the already, I love some of these things, we're the already and not yet people. We are becoming what we already are. That's mysterious. In other words, look at me. If you gave your life to Jesus, you are already righteous. Totally. You ain't going to get, ain't going to get. Southern, you ain't going to get, it ain't going to get no better. (laughs) You're as righteous as you're ever going to be. Amen? I mean, you can, you can tell people, start, just call me St. Bob. St. Bob. For now on, that's my expectation, St. Bob. <laughs> now, amen. Now, my wife would probably disagree with that. I don't know why, but she would say there's sometimes I don't really act totally saintly. <laughs> I, very seldom. But some, I agree, sometimes that happens. Not often. You, you know what I'm saying? We're, we, are, we are righteous. But we still, occasionally, <laughs> we, we, we miss that mark. We sin. We mess up. We blow it. We're still righteous. We are righteous and we're becoming righteous. We are saved. We're getting saved. <laughs> wow. That, that's good stuff. We, we, are, we, are, we, are, we, are in, we are in the spirit, but flesh wants to raise its head. We're victorious, yet broken. We're winners, sometimes we lose. We have victory, sometimes there's despair. That's the tension that we have in our lives, the now and the not yet. Now, here's two, 
Here's two extremes. There are some people that don't believe what I've just been telling you. Why, I have no idea. But some people don't believe that. There's much of Christian evangelicals that don't believe in that whole idea of, of the kingdom of God happening now. In other words, they live in the sense that the kingdom is coming. And that one of these days, this is basically defeat or defeatism. One of these days, uh, you know, the kingdom of God is going to come and all sickness is going to go away and death's going to stop and sin's going to not happen anymore. One of these days at the second coming of Jesus, that's going to happen. In the meantime, we just got to kind of hunker down and do our best not to sin anymore. You ever heard any teaching like that? Now, listen to me. The other extreme of that is triumphantism, which says this. The kingdom of God has come. It's now. There is no sickness. There is no disease. And if you walk in faith, you're never going to get sick. You'll never have poverty. You'll never have any problems. Because the kingdom of God is now. Open your eyes, guys. Guess what? You still get sick occasionally. God wants to heal you, and He will heal you. You still, I don't care how saintly you are, you'll still blow it every now and then. Just drive down the highway. <laughs> you'll, get, you'll, you'll, you'll think bad thoughts every now and then. So there's that tension, there's that in-between. So it's not totally happening, but it has happened. <laughs> it's both. It's the both end. The now and the not yet. All right, I'm winding it up. You ready? We're landing this plane as Bill Johnson would say. What does all this mean for me now? How does it impact me? The now helps us to believe and expect the kingdom of God to show up now. You with me? That belief in the now of the kingdom. When I'm praying for somebody that's sick, my faith, my expectation, my belief is the kingdom of God is going to show up right now and heal that person. That right now, it's going to happen. That's my expectation. The not yet of that is, is sometimes it doesn't happen. The point is this. Please listen to this. Here's the point. If we're not careful, we can slip into our belief becomes more in the not yet than it does the now. You with me? If we're not careful, we can let our faith and our belief begin to slip over to, okay, you're sick, God heal them, give them 30 seconds, and walk away. I knew it wasn't going to happen. Guess what? It probably won't happen, (laughs) if that's your expectation. It's easy for us, to, if we're not careful, especially if you've prayed for dozens of people and maybe nobody's got healed, it's easy to start buying into, well, it's just not going to happen. And see, the problem with that, with that theology that says it's got to always happen, here's the problem with that. If my belief says it's got to always happen now, if it's got to always happen now, if that person doesn't get sick, then guess what? Either they or I got a problem. They either don't have enough faith, they're in sin, or there's some problem, or they would get healed. So we've got to blame somebody. When you understand that it doesn't always happen, then nobody has to be blamed. Maybe they don't have enough faith, 
And maybe God wants to restore that and give that to them. Maybe they'll get healed tomorrow when we pray for them. Do you, you know it is okay to pray for somebody more than once? <laughs> I mean, Jesus did that, didn't he? Y'all remember that? If he needed to do it more than once, maybe we might. It help, it help, understanding this now and not yet also helps us understand why we don't always walk in perfect peace. We're not always in joy. We're not always demonstrating love. There's, and it'll help you understand why sometimes you struggle with areas of your life. But here's the point. God wants the kingdom to come in that area of your life now. That's, that's the expectation. Believe that. By, by, in other words, here's how I look at it. We... We ought to be more shocked. Let me put it this way. I, if I'm praying for somebody that's sick and I've asked the kingdom of God to come, I should be more surprised or more shocked that it doesn't happen than it does happen. Does that make sense? It should be more of a surprise to me. Oh, wow. They didn't get healed. Instead of, wow, they got healed. <laughs> I prayed for 5,000 people, finally one of them. <laughs> right? I mean, it ought to be, I don't, gosh, he didn't get healed. I, I'm not going to blame the person. I'm not going to tell them, you know, they're sorry or their lack of faith. Then maybe I'll go back and say, well, let's just let's, let's try it again. Jesus, come. That's that, that's that tension. That's the now and the not yet. Josh, come on up, bud. Told you I was going to land it. All right, here's what we're going to do. Y'all ready? We're going to stand up and we're going to worship a song. And we're going to ask the kingdom to come. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to show you if there's an area in your life that the kingdom needs to touch. Just kind of like we did 30 minutes ago. We're going to do it again. Is that all right? Amen. Amen. You guys ready? We're going to worship for a minute or two and then we'll do some ministry time.